ございます。Hello, it is the standard, the conversation, the blueprint, the CEO, Mercedes Money. And you are listening to Mangu Khan Salami podcast. So make sure you join and listen to it weekly. All right, this is Roberto. You are back with another Steambox podcast. Today, I'm with my homies from Highlander Charter School. Steampunks from Highlander Charter School, please say what's up to the world. Hey. Hey. I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to let it slide. We got so much to cover. I want to get into this. Uh, our guest today is Amanda. She is with the Katie Brown Educational Program. As we get into a new season of Mangu Con Salami. Mangu Con Salami, we're back. Our Love and Romance podcast. And we're here with Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hello, everyone. Um, it's so exciting to be here. You're new there? Yes, I just started at the end of October, so I've been there for about three months now. I've learned a whole ton about relationship health, um, dating violence prevention, and the time that I've been there. Still learning, which is why I'm excited to have this conversation with everybody. Has there been any like aha moments for you? Was there anything that struck you, hit you, made you emotional? Definitely um, seeing how the impact of working with the younger students can be. Um, we talk a lot about building confidence and self-esteem in our fourth and fifth grade programs, um, because we start all the way in fourth and go all the way through ninth grade, kind of building upon material each year. And so thinking about prevention of dating violence and how important it is to have personal power, it's been really impactful to see just how much of an influence we can have on the younger students too. Good, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, it sounds like that's, that's where growth comes from and that's how we get changed. How about you personally? Like, what are some of your passions? Sure. So, oh, I'm a big puzzle person. That's like one of my big like hobbies outside. analog puzzles? Any kind. So I love doing like puzzles, like, you know, out on a table or, you know, crossword puzzles, logic games, anything to kind of get my brain going. It's a good way to relax. Um, I'm also super into like going to the beach, doing outside stuff, kind of getting mental relaxation that way. I heard you were a gamer. I am. So I wouldn't call myself like an expert gamer by any means, but I definitely do love gaming as a hobby. So what was the last game that you were into? Um, I've been playing the new Spider-Man game. I'm super into sports games as well. So like MLB The Show and 2K, I'll Which play those. So the last one I played was 22. Okay. What were you going to ask? What's your favorite game to play? My favorite. I would say all time, Little Big Planet. That's I don't know if any of you have ever played that before, but that's a game from my childhood that I still love to play. I got the new, it's like Sackboy adventure game. So fun. That's hilarious. Our mutual friend, uh, we just started playing Little Big Planet. We wanted to get into some, we wanted to get into that mangu con salami. We wanted to get into the meat of it, right? So what is it? So what, what was the angle that we were going to talk about today? I know we mentioned social media. But what does that mean for our students who are here in the room before we even start to formulate questions? What does it mean to even like consider social media when it comes to romance or dating? Sure. So I think the first thing I'd kind of like to throw out there is what social media do you all use? Because it might be different for teenagers now versus when I was. We use Instagram. We use Snapchat, TikTok. What else? What else? I'm really big on Telegram. <laughs> Some people use Discord, but that's for like in a Discord. That's actually one I haven't really considered when thinking about this. Yeah, Discord's so, a bad. It's a it's a lot to discover when it comes to. 
toxicity on all of the social media is, is like a whole nother, yeah. that's a whole nother jam. People say, let's say, <laughs> let's say you post a picture with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. People are already commenting on that. Oh, you saw this and this and the third, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's probably cheating on her. It's not, and then that brings the whole thing. That's why. Is that a real thing? Can you give me a, like, give me an actual example? So let's say, for example, on a couple is posted. Um, they say, oh my God, I would have never thought she was with her. And I heard that she was with this other dude the other day. And I know her ex is bad. They come in with assumptions that has nothing to do with them. Which is, you know, that brings problems into the relationship. And what it is. That's why it's better. That's why I feel like it's better to keep your relationship a secret. Yourself. I want to I want to hear from I want to hear from the three of you, too. What's your immediate reaction to what she said before I get into the other three? So I think that's definitely an important topic to discuss in terms of privacy in a relationship. Right. Because one really big thing we talk about in the PA to ground program is boundaries. And so, you know, putting stuff on social media can sometimes cross a lot of people's personal boundaries when it comes to how much they want people they don't know to know about their relationship or what they're comfortable with sharing about their relationship. So I feel like with situations like that, it's important to have a conversation with a partner about what do you feel comfortable sharing online? Um, and then also recognizing that social media is so public that if you do share certain things, it does open it up to you know, comments from people. People may be having conversations about what they assume about a relationship, for sure. I feel like the people who like, do that comment all that type of stuff or the people who love drama and love gossiping because like if you don't have anything better to do you're going to be talking about other people you're going to be spreading rumors about other people so it's kind of you know um amanda and i outside we're talking about introverted extroverted do you guys know what that means yeah uh, i'm introverted and so i'm probably less likely to do that but i wonder could it be instead of because I like drama? I know those people. Those people exist. You are right to some degree that those people exist. But I wonder if some people who are extroverted and have the opposite personality as me just kind of almost instinctively like, here's cake that I'm eating. Snap. You know what I mean? This new person I'm dating. I know somebody who says, uh, my boyfriend sucks. Get yourself a boyfriend who doesn't suck in these ways and continues to publicly post that stuff and stays with the same boyfriend. <laughs> so, How like, is, is it drama? Is it part of the personality? I, I don't really know. Uh, wait, who's responding to this specifically? Because I had other comments that we wanted to get to. What we... I think that introversion and ex... Being introverted and extroverted, they translate differently onto social media. Like, you can be very much introverted outside, but on social media, you're chatting here, chatting there, talking here, talking there. So it's very different. I think it depends more on the person's specific personality type beyond whether they are very extroverted or introverted. Go ahead, and then I want to get to uh, the next three. At the end of the day, everybody's different. So I feel like even though you're extroverted somewhere, you could be introverted somewhere else, like I just said. It's something else where you, where, where, um, what's it called, where it's So a lot of us do like to gossip. And I feel like that's just a normal thing team people do. But sometimes it goes too far, you know, where it brings down a relationship and it doesn't. Yo, I want to get into that more later, too, if we still have time. Uh, it's wild that you think that you like to gossip because you're teens. Like when you turn 25, you're no longer going to gossip. 
but I know some gossipy ass punks who are like my age. Believe me, it still happens. All the shredding. Like, I feel like you have to kind of go through that step to mature for me. Those people are just like, they haven't matured into that step yet, so it takes. Because they haven't gotten slapped in the mouth for gossiping. They're probably going to keep doing it. From my experience, I can tell you it hits different when people gossip about you. And then it makes you kind of reconsider. Um, Amanda, I'm going to want your feedback on all of this stuff. But I think there were three more points I wanted to get to. Go ahead. Um, to bring it back a little bit to the post, like a real life situation is like my cousin, she had posted her and her, her friend from school that was graduating. And people thought they were automatically dating. So it was weird because... She was graduating and she was still a sophomore, so they automatically thought it was weird that they're taking pictures together, but he's always been a childhood friend with her. So people ship them together. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that happens a lot. It, it's not fair. It's not a good thing, but it happens. And then she got asked for it, saying like, oh, why are you dating someone that's older than you? But they, it was a straight assumption because she was never dating him. Example. But it's not exactly with a relationship because I have a friend and they posted this picture of this shirt that they had like done bleach designs on and they put like a non-binary heart on it mm-hmm. because like they will use different pronouns. Mm-hmm. And somebody decided to be an absolute, forgive my language, asshole mm-hmm. and was like, oh, you had to ruin it with the heart. And they said, go cry about it. And this person decided to, they used the F slur. They used the n. They used the n word at yep. them, and they were like, and they called them a pedophile too, even though they're like my age, and they are not at all a pedophile. They, they obviously deleted the thing after, but my friend took screenshots, and it's just super messed up that people will just act like that, think that it's okay to act like that because if you do not like what this person is doing, maybe just. Don't say anything because you saying, oh, yeah, you had to ruin it with the heart is going to make her because is going to make them stop. So there's toxicity. You have the risk of the toxicity. And then you had something to add. I didn't mean to laugh. But when this man is looking at me like, tell him not to look at me. I guess everything impossible to laugh. That's why I don't be posting my life on social media. Because it's like, why you got to be comfortable? Look, you can post like pictures of my like, everybody saw what just happened. Everybody, it's not your life. Everybody see. They're no, no, they don't wipe people off you, man. Oh, it's your memories. It's still part of your life. It's not. That's not what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't have to be a letter. It can be like pictures from like. That's still part of your life. That's your life. I'm not airplane. I feel like you're Let's let him finish. Let's let him finish. I feel like social media affects relationships. Like, I feel like a lot of people might not realize it, but it could affect how people, like people's standards. Right, I'm gonna use this example. Like girls, some girls they'll be on social media a lot, and it'll like up their standards to like the max. Like, I'm only 16. Fuck you, mean you want me to be bringing you gifts every day? You want me to pull up in a car? You want me to take yeah, place? You want me to take you to the beach? You should have a permit. <laughs> you wanna? You wanna move in together? Loki, you gotta have a permit. Sorry, I should have. No, but they build up. Exactly. They build up a fantasy. Like impossible standards. There's a fantasy world that builds up for men and women online, watching other men and other women, that it makes it really hard to... Um, we're going to get into questions. I'm going to let all you guys have questions. But that's so much that we just threw at Amanda. I'm going to give Amanda a chance to respond, because that's a lot. Wherever you wanted to jump in. Sure. So there's a f- really good points brought up there. And what you just said about um, somebody mentioned impossible standards when it comes to the relationships we see online. You know, you see the perfect side of everything coming from 
couples that are posting stuff and everything. And it really makes me think about how, like, for example, like my childhood and growing up was kind of with the introduction of social media. And since I've dating, I've always had that influence. But in the past, it was probably more like family and peer influenced where you see your parents, caretaker relationships and kind of get your ideas based off of those. And now it's kind of transitioning to, well, who is this random couple across the country that are influencers? What are they doing in their relationship? And of course, the people that you're going to see the most are the ones that are, you know, buying all their gift, those gifts for their partners, um, having all these unfair expectations. So I'm just curious, do you think all of you draw more influence from the things you see online versus like your friends and family's relationships? Let go one, two, go ahead. I definitely see more coming from online than like at home or something. Cause normally for me, my dad or like he isn't home as often so much. So I don't really see him showing like affection as much cause he's mostly working. But then when I see like a relationship online, it's, it's completely different. It's always affectionate or like they're always doing an activity I mean, something fun, something that gives joy. But that's not the yeah. truth. But that's not the truth, though. Because there's always something. Yeah, let's. But that's not the truth, though. Because in a relationship, there's always conflict, and on social media, they show everything as perfect. Even though I know it's not like that, I still like feed into that. Because I travel a lot, and when I'm traveling, I take lots of pictures yeah, of the good stuff. Of the good stuff, completely. So that's a good point. Like your surroundings. I feel like if I'm here in the same place, there's nothing going on in the same place. But like if I was to go to like Cambridge, I'm going to want to post something. Or if I go to like France, I'm going to want to post something. It feels, it, feels like, it feels like that fantasy thing is real. It feels like that's something that we can all kind of commiserate with, uh, especially norms in relationships. So let me go. Uh, we, we had a lot of hands for follow-ups. Go ahead. I feel like the social media part is kind of like a standard that I myself kind of like want to strive for where it's like, all right. You say, oh, you need to make this one. All right, I'll make double that. I'd rather be like, so you're the one. What, uh, I'd rather set the standard than to be the one. That, that's true. You'd rather set the standard than compete with the standard. But what if the standard is like, you need to drive me around like a personal chauffeur and I'm 12. Like, what am I about to do? <laughs> <laughs> the things have to be reasonable, right? Exactly. Our expectations. five-year-old couple, that's something reasonable. But if you're... It's not easy for all of you to get jobs or even have money right now. You know what I mean? Because a lot of them you need experience for and it, it takes a while to get there. So, um, yeah, that's one of the things. That's one of the places that you got to get to. But in the meantime, it really it really must suck to look at that standard. Go ahead. Spinning right off the what I'm 12 thing. So for a lot of people, what they see on social media, like the crazy standards, the absurd influences, the, the you know, lovey-dovey relationships with no conflict, that might be like the first thing they see because, you know, social media is given to us at such a young age these days to where somebody could get on YouTube and from Cocomelon, they recommended a video about this YouTube couple and they're all lovey-dovey and whatnot. So from that, they could build that as like the foundation for how they see relationships. So when they get into a real relationship, it could be distorted just from the get-go. That's how relationships are. What's the shit about social media is given to us? I, I gave my son a phone so I could contact him. Next thing you know, he's like on Twitter, like, uh, calling people a-holes and stuff. That's not, I didn't give him Twitter, but I hear you. I hear you. That's a good point. What did you want to add? Going back to the not showing affection that much, I feel like if, like, let's say you marry your wife, right? You marry someone. During the years, you, you have children, right? 
at some point you're not gonna show as much affection as you do as you did the few years back because like you love a per you can love a person so much you don't like you worry about them but you don't show it that much like some people like they don't show it but you can still have them in your mind there's so much to cover we're definitely doing this in an untraditional route today. I think that's okay. I love the conversation that we're having. So I'm going to I'm gonna let it slide. Let's keep doing it. Let's make it dope. I want to give Amanda a chance to cover. But where you just went was slightly different than the social media stuff. You went into the analog concept, which I think is an important concept. And we have not talked about it on Mangukon Salami. But there's this term called the honeymoon period. What does that mean to you guys? Go ahead. It's subdued um, early within a relationship and where you guys are you guys are fresh out of trying to get with each other. So you guys are still showing that affection and it's still circulating in the air almost like, oh, I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. It's going on. But then it becomes, when that ends, it becomes more of a passive love. Yep. And for some people, that's a hard transition because they don't comprehend that it's still a love, just different. Is it dangerous? Amanda, so, so the work that you do with Katie Brown... Uh, and for people who need a refresher or maybe our audience at home, Katie Brown's somebody who died. She died uh, as a result of one of her relationships. Am I, do I have this right? Um, yes. So, um, so she died as a result of domestic violence. So th these things can sometimes, relationships can be really beautiful and blissful, but they can also be dangerous uh, if they take the wrong turn. So I think it's important. I want to hear your thoughts on the honeymoon period. It's something that many of us, any of us who've been in a relationship will know that early on in a relationship, it feels really good, but then you got to put in work to make it keep feeling good. What are your thoughts on the honeymoon period? Definitely. So pretty much every relationship, healthy or unhealthy, will start with that honeymoon period, right? If you're both really interested in each other, you want to spend a lot of time together, you know, feeling like everything's perfect. Um, of course... The amount of affection maybe displayed then might wane a little bit. But when we think about what we see as affection, what we consider affection, it can look a lot of different ways for different people, right? Online on social media, if you're seeing TikToks, Instagram reels of couples, you might see a lot of physical affection. Um, but really, when we think about ways to show love and care for a partner, even if that honeymoon phase kind of wears off, um, you know, there might be things like, spending time together, um, developing trust in a partner, all these things that are important for a relationship don't necessarily come off as quote-unquote affection to someone on looking. Um, do you feel like um, people that influence their love life like do this to like cover up that the honeymoon? What do you mean by influence the love life? So like they're basically putting on a cover because their love is so bad like it happens in like relationships on youtube or instagram where like they'll have that phase like right in the beginning and then it'll start to die out this is their influences they like build that code of their ego in their relationship so it looks like their ego is good and that makes them like feel better in a way i need a second to think about that question that definitely i think could certainly happen if you know a couple is trying to kind of revamp that honeymoon phase. I think a lot of it is probably mostly for views and engagement. And so it's hard to say, like, to make a blatant statement, every couple that's making those videos is trying to relive that honeymoon phase. Um, but that's not to say that, like, oh, honeymoon phase is over. Now they don't really love each other as much. It's just maybe not as 
you know, intense as the beginning. Then there's, there's an idea of a new freshness. Like when you get a new toy, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, there's new freshness to it. And I don't want to compare your partner to a toy. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I'm trying to say, I think there's the same thing with that, with that new freshness. Have you guys ever seen that video where it's like social media versus reality? And then they do that body shop song. Body shop. And then, and they show like all these beautiful scenes. And then somebody else will show what it's really like there. Like if you spin the camera around, you'll see a billion other people there like trashing the place. Relationships can be like that. And so is online. I find that the two kind of merge really well. I feel like the, th you know, there's also like the three month rule or something. What's that? Or like the, it's kind of like a honeymoon phase that like after three months, they're going to start to die out or something. I feel like that's all fake. Oops, I sparked this. I feel like that's all fake because I feel like if you really want it, then you're going to make it work no matter how much. Like, I feel like, I don't know. But at the beginning, I feel like everything is so, like, new and so shy, so you don't know how to display affection. I see you, I see you. Uh, um, I want to ask you a question, Amanda, because she said something that I find really important and a little scary. She said, if you really want it, you're going to make it work. So if you, after the honeymoon period is over, are doing still putting in the work, but maybe your partner is not putting in that work, well, if you really want it and you're going to make it work, then you might find yourself in a situation where you're doing both people's work. You're doing all the work in a relationship. Can that be healthy or unhealthy? I'd say that's definitely veering towards unhealthy when that work and, you know, maintaining the relationship is put on one partner. And um, we talk a lot about conflict resolution and communicating conflict in couples. So, for example, if one partner is really passive in the relationship, you know, avoids bringing up any problems, doesn't really talk about their feelings in the relationship, that can put this whole burden on their partner where they have to be the one addressing everything. Um, so. Oh, shit, is that me? I'm just, I'm wondering that. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, thinking about it, like, if the work becomes the responsibility of one partner in the relationship, it's definitely not an even contribution there. And, of course, like, some resentment might build up, um, it might be really hard to communicate, have open communication there. So I think it's important that, you know, when conflicts do come up, it's okay in relationships. It's not unhealthy to have a disagreement or feel like you need to bring up an issue of, of jealousy or maybe even a disagreement about your expectations. But it's just about being open and honest about that. I'm going to circle back and ask you about jealousy in a relationship, but I've seen a whole bunch of hands. Do you still have a... Uh, yeah, I was just thinking... Uh... Lisa mentioned it. Well, she spoke about it like the honeymoon period ending is like, don't like it's the end of times. But I don't think the change is necessarily bad. I think correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's just a different type, like a different phase of it all because it's called the honeymoon phase, not, you know, the honeymoon period phase. Yeah, right. So it's still the same type of love. It's just shown differently. So I think people just need to learn how to adjust to that and have different boundaries set within the relationship and communicate really well how, like, what it means and whether they feel the same and whether things are changing for the be for the better or for the worse. Amanda, you said you like logic. That sounded pretty logical to me. I... Yeah, that was pretty logical. And can I add yeah, something please. about that? So we talked a lot about the honeymoon phase kind of wearing off, maybe, like, not as, you know, exciting it may seem. But there's a lot of things that you can consider love and healthy in a relationship that 
may not be as obvious as affection, right? Like developing trust with a partner. So in that initial honeymoon phase, when you're just starting to date somebody, you may not have that much trust developed. You're still getting to know them, still learning about them as a person, right? And so think about things like trust, comfort with each other, learning about each other's boundaries, all those things that do show a healthy relationship, show that you care, but we don't consider part of the honeymoon phase. From what I hear sometimes, the three-month rule and the honeymoon phase, they could be like two two, th- two different things, but sometimes they mean the same thing. For, for the three-month honeymoon, sometimes they always say the three months are going to go by fast and you're going to love it. And then after that, the next phase is like the arguing phase, just where arguments come out from nowhere and like over small things such as why just leave the water bottle here, something like that, that might start an argument. I was with this girl, right? And wait, before that, uh, I had like, how, what's your opinion on like, and you're in a relationship, right? That like relationship, like your partner speaking about your ex, like asking questions about your last relationship or bringing that up and stuff, because that happens a lot. Is it, love- is it fair or unfair to ask about the ex? Is it fair or unfair to ask about your ex? What does that do in a relationship? Can I? Yeah, please. But like hold on, hold on, hold on. I feel like it's fair to an extent. Like, you can ask this and that. Like, I'll tell you what happened between us, but I don't want, I don't want, like, being interrogated by that. But, like, I don't want you to keep asking me what happened. I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him answer. Yeah, I would say that's a really good point. So, obviously, when you have a close relationship with somebody, you have a partner, you want to have personal conversations with them, learn about them as a person, right? But that doesn't mean you have the right to know about every past experience they've had, about situations with their ex-relationships, um, unless it's something that would affect yours. So if it's something that would play into your relationship with them. Yeah, so I would say, you know, I wouldn't say it's totally inappropriate to bring those topics up. But like you said, don't interrogate a partner about those things. Don't make them feel like, pressured. Or- Can you illustrate for us where the healthy boundary is for... These are some things that are okay to ask about a relationship. And then what are some things that are just starting to cross that line? Sure. So what would be crossing a boundary in terms of just like bringing it up out of nowhere, asking a question, partner? So, yeah, a lot of it's, so that's a good point. A lot of it could be personal boundaries. And so maybe instead of, you know, straight up asking something that may seem a little personal, especially to somebody you just met, you're just developing a relationship with, you know, maybe hmm, this is hard because I haven't really thought about this topic in particular before when it comes to... Let me ask you this question because this one's, this one I see a lot and it seems almost like a norm in a relationship, but I'm wondering what you think about this. Are you guys familiar with the body count questions? Yeah. (laughs) So... So what are your thoughts? Is that fair or unfair? Or does it depend on the relationship to ask about body count? I would say it's unfair to use that question to determine the character of your partner, right? Or to make that any kind of judgment based on that of how they will be in a relationship. So, of course, if your partner's past experiences, if they would affect your health in any way, then it's important you're informed about that to be able to consent to things, right? But when it comes to something like body count, you hear people asking that. It's 
usually used in a way to kind of degrade a partner or make them kind of attack their self-esteem because of their past experiences. Yeah, so. I, so I, I've got a question. I know so many people want to jump in. I'm really, really sorry. I'm just trying to pick as much of Amanda's brain as we can and keep the dialogue going before we go. We've got so little time. I saw you have an extreme reaction to that, to her answer when she said it was unfair. So let me ask you, is it important? Is body count important? Why or why not? I feel like that always depends. Listen, because I personally, I'm a person that I want to know, like, what makes you you? Like, I'm with you. Like, what what it is that brought you here to me? Like, I want to know your past, even though it had nothing to do with me. I'm not going to judge you because I wasn't in your past. It got nothing to do with me. But let's say I asked the boy, oh, what's your body count? You, I, and they say 27. They're like, yo, you got some, like, what's up with you? But if it's like a one or a two, I'll be like, oh, that's okay. Because it's just, you know, but I'm not judging you based on your character. I'm just judging you. Like, I'm not even judging you. I'm just saying, like, 27 is a. Just at our age, at our age, that's an absurd number. That like, yeah, but it's like that's your past. It has nothing to do. With. Now we're if it's something that I don't like, if it's something that I think that's not okay, I'm gonna tell you. Like we're gonna face that together and going on forward. But what you did in the past, that's your problem. Other thoughts on other thoughts on body count. Um, before I bring it back to the digital uh era, body count specific. Go ahead. I feel like if you're talking to someone. Maybe you might ask, if, maybe if they even have one body, they might have something. You never know. They might have, what if they never got checked? So I feel like you could ask that to, like, check? Yeah, like, like for diseases? Yeah. Okay. Like, got the physical, who knows, they might have something. But you never know. So it's always, like, I feel like that's a way to make sure you, you can be safe. It does seem like, it does seem healthy to be interested in your safety. It seems yeah. healthy to be interested in your safety, but I'm still wondering. I'm still wondering if it's healthy to ask about body count. And I also can't help but wonder: people lie, and that's one of the things that I almost expect people to lie about because so many people are insecure about that, and some people feel like it's too low. Now I got to say 27, <laughs> and some people feel like it's too high. Now I got to divide that number by three. So it's just I've I've just seen so many. It's so many things that I, I feel like it depends on like the context because like I heard that there's like sometimes where like sexual assault victims usually have like a higher libido to kind of cope with their assault. So they usually end up like hypermating, which would actually put their body count higher. But if you think put it in like that perspective, I don't think that having a high body count should depend. But you should get checked out if you have something. That is an interesting scientific thought that you just pulled up. Have you found any data that supports that? Um, I believe there are studies that have shown that there could be like more sexual activity from victims of certain types of sexual violence after the fact. Um, I can't quote one in particular, but yeah, I have seen sources say that. So here's a question that might make you an asshole, depending on how you answer it. Does that affect your interest level? No. 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 Because that was before me. Uh, good. I No assholes here. Or 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 are you an asshole if you th thought that too? Either way. Oh wait 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 no I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm gonna come back to you. Go ahead. Delvin mentioned uh, asking less about the number or whether there is a count to begin with. Yep. And I think that's important too, not only for you know like health and safety, but also depending on that answer, it gets at the boundaries for a lot of the relationship. 
Because if one person, you know, has been involved in that and one person has it, they might want to take things slower, faster, whatever, depending on that. So I think that's really important to ask too. Maybe I see, I see you've given me a good reason to have that conversation to figure out where you are with your sexual speed, right? Yeah. That's interesting. I actually, I buy that. I, I wasn't thinking about that. That sounds fair to me. Um, I'm going to come back and figure out what sounds fair to you. I want to go to this one last thing and then I'm, and then I'm going to try to bring it back. Go ahead. You're like, mister, you got your hand <laughs> Oh, okay. I, okay. You know when he said that, did you, when you asked us if it mattered, yeah. did you mean if somebody got sexually assaulted or if somebody got high body count? Act- oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was waiting to see where you guys went with that, but yeah, sexual assault. So if somebody's a victim of a sexual assault, I I've seen in the past, I've seen people respond to that where that bothers them sure so yeah i think a lot of it is about like how much privacy we can maintain about ourselves in a relationship right we're in a relationship with somebody but we're still our own person and so there's experiences things about ourselves that kind of private to ourselves like sharing information about you know traumatic experience things like sexual assault things that are personal to your sexual lives your personal lives and so course in a relationship is about like finding that line between sharing and communicating each other while also still maintaining your own kind of privacy and personhood and I think that privacy point is also a good way to bring us back into the digital right. um, dating topic so thinking about privacy in other ways in a relationship so I know it's really common now for sometimes people to share passwords on things like Instagram or Facebook um, sometimes go through each other's phones, and sometimes both partners will go through each other's. So I'm curious on some thoughts on that, what you think about sharing passwords, that looking was, through That text. was my next and final question. Thank you oh, yeah. for asking it. Uh, online privacy versus online jealousy. Where's the line? What's fair? What's not fair? What do you think about our question? I see you too, right? I've been in a relationship where, well, my only relationship, I shared my passwords uh, and stuff like that. Well, I was much younger, and the relationship was sort of long distance, so I think it was a different scenario. I personally don't think there's any situation necessary in which you guys need to share passwords or information. Like, you guys shouldn't be just off rip. Like, maybe maybe you have suspicions later on. That's different. But off rip, there should be no basis for that. I need to down Netflix password. Yeah, no, that's fine. Netflix, <laughs> Netflix, Netflix, you're sharing. You could benefit from it. But I don't understand what you need to benefit from going through my social no, media yeah, but like, and going through my inbox. I'm just saying, I, I don't think you should do that off rip. Even if you do have suspicions, I think a conversation should come first between immediately give me that phone. Because sure, they could lie, but you, you, you want to hear what they have to say first. But do give me that Spotify. Two more real quick. For, for sharing passwords, I feel like sometimes it's, it doesn't benefit on the person that shared the password because... You might have, like, let's say you had your ex five months before you started talking to a new person. You gave them your password on Instagram. Yo. And they they can see that you texted them before because you never deleted the chats, but you don't talk to them at all. You haven't spoke to them since you guys broke up. What if they're, like, asking questions like, oh, why do you still have this? Like, why is this there? Why haven't you deleted it yet? And other questions like that, but in reality, I feel like you you should have asked that. Maybe you don't want to delete it because you might look back from memories, but I don't I don't think it's reasonable to share 
Amanda, can you, can you, this is, this is way unfair to expect us to just drop the conversation right here. So I'm going to ask Amanda, so we have your expertise. Can you give us one example of healthy behavior for online citizenship with your partner and one example for unhealthy behavior that we should reconsider for online partnership? Sure. I would say a healthy thing may be, you know, sharing videos like reels or TikToks with maybe a shared interest you have. Or like, let's say, you know, your partner's into gaming and you see a really cool video or post about that. But unhealthy is when it goes into the territory of monitoring or tracking a partner's every move. Things like their likes, you know, what, you know, who they're following, making sure that you're checking that diligently, because that can really cause a lot of feelings of jealousy. So sometimes that turns into a compulsion and leads to a bit of an unhealthy relationship. Yeah, but that depends on what the person has gone through. So let's say if I have been cheated on multiple times, I have trust issues and I want to see that and I want to make sure what's going on. How do you deal with somebody else's trauma in a relationship? Is that fair that you, you're dealing with somebody else's trauma? I feel like... So, so if someone's been in a relationship where their trust has been broken and so now they maybe feel a little... Like they have to develop that trust, like they can't, you know, they might feel stronger feelings of jealousy with those things. But I think that's better taken care of by having talks with your partner about your feelings um, because social media can feed into it and make it worse. So at the time, it might seem like a solution where if I go and check it and I either find what I'm looking for, or I don't, it'll help fix this feeling in me. But a lot of times I think it can escalate it. And then the more you do it, it kind of like feeds into like an addiction almost. Amanda, Katie Brown Educational Program. Uh, what's the social media handle? Uh, the underscore KBEP on Instagram. This has been another podcast from Highlander Charter School. Highlander, please say peace out to the world. Yeah. Uh.